to which nothing is impossible. There's nothing that God cannot do. Come on, one more time, if you believe that, just give him praise. No matter what you've got going on, there's nothing that my God cannot do. Would you just remain standing with me just for a few more minutes? And uh, Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going to go this morning, the book of Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to start in verse 13, read just a couple verses here, and I'll let you be seated. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. So good to see you here in the house of the Lord today. Welcome to Starkville Church of God. We are glad that you are here, and I'm thankful for God's blessings on our church, on our lives. I believe God is doing some great things. I'm excited about what's ahead. I hope if you've probably seen on Facebook already, and I've announced it, but um, we have a special day coming up on April the 18th. Um, the university did release that there is going to be Super Bulldog weekend, and it is going to be, I believe, the highlight this year is not going to be the spring game, and it's not even going to be the series that we sweep that school up north, but the highlight is going to be on Sunday here at Starkville Church of God. We're going to have Todd Tillman with us. We're going to set up out there in the front lawn. We're going to set him up right here in front of the front door, bring your chairs. I mean, dress like it's Super Bulldog weekend. We're outside, and I believe invite anybody you want. You're not going to have to purchase a ticket. All We're going to take up an offering, and uh, so I want you to invite as many people as you can. I believe it's going to be an awesome, awesome day. we got a couple other things coming up before that. We've got Easter coming up, so many things that I'm excited about, so make sure that you mark your calendar for that. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13, and we'll be reading from the King James Version this morning. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. I'm going to preach to you this morning on the thought, They need not depart. I need you to know today that Jesus has what you need here today. Well, a couple of you believe that. Well, I'm glad you came this morning because it sounds like a lot of y'all don't even know that. So let me be the first to tell you, whatever you need here today, Jesus has got the answer to it. Can somebody say amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to be in your house. I thank you for the songs of worship that have gone forth. Thank you for those that have given, Lord, financially. And, Lord, I thank you as we come to this time that we break the bread of life together. I ask for your anointing upon me. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do. Father, I pray that you'd open every heart, mind, and spirit that they'd receive what you have for them here today. Lord, we give you the thanks, the praise, and the honor for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody in the house said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated here 
this morning. The paths of fellowship and relationship had been meaningful for both Jesus and John the Baptist. They had been linked together in prophecy dating all the way back to the prophet Malachi. And children can be dismissed to children's church. I'm sorry. Uh, Kids can go ahead and just follow the group as they go out to children's church. We find that they had been linked together for so many years, all the way back when you read in the prophet Malachi. We know that they were physically and naturally, they were cousins. Their mothers were cousins. And we know that beyond the natural then, there was the spiritual. They had been prophesied about. We know that John was prophesied to be the forerunner of Jesus. Their ministries were united in purpose. And they both shared the same message. And it was a message of repentance and a message of holiness. I told the first service this morning, I believe one of the greatest miracles that you can find in the scripture is when John willingly decreased in the sight of his admirers in order to give his energies to the increase of Jesus Christ and his mission on earth. You find at a particular point in time that John had fulfilled his role as the forerunner of Jesus Christ. John had a large following. He had lots of disciples, a large following. People wanted to hear what he had to say. They'd go out into the wilderness to hear him. They'd go out and be baptized by him. This wild man, now he didn't, he didn't wear a three-piece suit. He, he had on camel skin and ate locusts and wild honey, but people just followed him. But a point in time came where John realized that now his time was over and it was now time for Jesus and his ministry to be exalted. And John specifically then began to pass the torch and give up the following, give up the fame and pass it on to Jesus. Now, I don't know about you folks, but in church work and every other work that I have ever been around, egos are a big thing. Maybe y'all have never run into some big egos, but egos are a big thing. And for John to willingly step aside and say, it's time for me to decrease, to say to his following, it's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. It's about the lamb that's going to take away the sins of the world. To me, for a man to put aside pride and put aside ego and say, now is his time. It's one of the greatest miracles that I've ever seen. We know that Jesus loved his cousin. We know that Jesus said, of John, that there is none born of woman any greater. And when the news came to Jesus of John's death, he was deeply moved. In fact, where we started here in verse 13, when it said, when Jesus heard of it, what he had just heard of was the fact that his cousin John had been beheaded. I'm trying to say too much at one time, had been, I tried to say beheaded. He was beheaded by Herod. And of course, now his disciples had buried his body. And when Jesus heard about this, he was very deeply moved. And he imposed upon himself a time of seclusion. I need to remind you this morning that Jesus Christ, when he came to earth and he was incarnate, he came in the flesh that he was 100% God, but yet he was still 100% man. 
You know, that's what makes Jesus so relatable to us. He, he's the one that made God relatable to man because he became a man. In other words, he felt what we feel. That's why we have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus knew what it was to suffer loss and to suffer hurt. And so he opposed on him, imposed on himself a time of seclusion, no doubt to reflect upon the life and the times of his friend and his cousin John, but I believe also to begin to contemplate what was down the road for him himself. Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what his mission on earth was, didn't he? He knew that the cross was just ahead. He knew the suffering. He knew the shame. He knew what he was about to go through, and I believe that he was all also contemplating those turbulent times that were going to lead to his own sacrifice. But we find that the time of his rest was interrupted by the thousands who had followed him to this desert place. And one of the great scriptures, the things that we find throughout the Gospels, is what we find here in this scripture when it's said in verse 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. I need somebody to hear me today and know that this same Jesus still has that same compassion for the hurting, for the broken, for the lost, for those that are like, at one point he looked and he said they look like sheep without a shepherd, scattered, lost as can be. I'm thankful today that I serve a God that has compassion and love and when he sees a word that is broken and hurting. He's not looking down on us, hating us. No, he's looking at a broken and dying world, having compassion on us. He was moved with compassion. I'm thankful today that Jesus... Now, now I've got a little more mixed age in this service than I did last service. Uh, last service, it was, I could say it, and I knew everybody would know. Jesus, I'm thankful Jesus never takes the phone off the hook. How many of you can remember when you used to could take the phone off of the hook if you didn't want to have to answer the phone? Can I just say it like this? Now, maybe this generation today, I'm thankful that Jesus doesn't just either hit ignore or put it on do not disturb. I am thankful today that Jesus Christ is available anytime, any place, no matter what you are going through. Jesus Christ is always available. You can always call him whenever you need him. Jesus Christ is available. We find that throughout the day, Jesus blessed the multitude with his words and his miracles. And at the end of the day, while he had fed the spiritual man, he knew that the natural man needed nourishment as well. You see, I'm thankful that we can trace it all the way back to Jesus. There's something about church, folks, that as soon as we go and we have a church service, we feel like we got to eat, don't we? I know y'all are going to. I'm going to. When you get out of here today, what are you going to do? You're either going to go home or you're going to go to a restaurant. You're going to go somewhere 
to eat. Church functions are always, whether it's a camp meeting or whatever it is, they always, we're going to have church, but we're always going to find someplace good to eat. I'm thankful that it came straight from Jesus because after a day of preaching and teaching, Jesus realized that the folks were now spiritually full, but now they were physically hungry. That's This is dangerous to talk about at 1144. And so the disciples then urged him, said, send the people away so they can find food. But it is at this moment that Christ astounded his disciples with a challenge. The one that I named gave this title to, and that is they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. So it seemed to be that Jesus was saying everything that was needed was already present. Listen, I know you may have already got hungry and tuned me out, but I hope you'll hear me today. And hear this, that I believe when Jesus gets in the mix, everything you need is already present. If you'll allow Jesus to get in the mix of things, it doesn't matter how insignificant, it doesn't matter how unprepared, it doesn't matter how you feel, I'm telling you, if you'll let Jesus get in the mix, you don't have to look around any further. Jesus can take what you have if you'll put it in his hands and it will be more than enough. The call of Jesus is still the same, I believe, to the church Today, You see, we find that the disciples here, we find Scripture tells us that there were over 5,000 men. Now, we know that that was just men. They, they probably had wives with them. Some probably had wives and children with them. So, so for the sake of estimating, I think it's pretty conservative for me to say if there were 5,000 men, there were probably another 5,000 other people with them. So let's just for the sake of this message today, let's just call it 10,000 and that be conservative. Can you imagine what Jesus was saying to these 12 men? He's saying to these 12 men, hey guys, we're not going to send them away. They don't need to depart. You give them something to eat. That's a pretty hefty task, isn't it? To be able to say, hey, there, there's 12 of us. We got to feed 10 thousand people. You know, the call of Jesus is the same to the church even still today. It seems a little overwhelming at times, doesn't it? When you begin to read the statistics of how many people are not going to church anymore, when you begin to read the statistics of how many people don't attend church, how many people don't even believe the Bible is real, how many people have, have not only just a, not even a tolerance toward God, they, they, they are anti-God, and, and there, is, there, there is a hatred toward anything that is God. It seems like a tall task for the Lord to look at us as the church and say, hey, they need not depart. You've got everything that this world needs but it is still the same today listen to me church I believe as long as we've got Jesus we've got everything that this world could ever need well a couple of you believe that man that early service got y'all beat y'all are still asleep y'all had y'all got to catch up on a couple of hours of sleep more than they did <laughs> I want us to notice there were some excuses that the disciples began to give and these excuses, also translate to today. 
few of these if you're taking notes. Number one, the first thing that they gave, the first excuse was that they said, this is a desert place. They said there was no evident source of vegetation or sustenance. You see, in other words, they were saying this place is limited in resources. Now, I believe that when we read in these scriptures like this, that I'm thankful that the Word of God is alive. And the Word of God can apply in so many levels. It applied right there at that moment, but it applies to us today. Not only does it apply to us, it applies to us as a church, and it applies to us as individuals. So let me start with the individual. You see, you may feel like you are the kind of person that is completely limited in resources. You may look at others and say, you know, I just don't, I don't have what brother so-and-so has. I can't really help anybody. I'm barely just making it by. I don't have the kind of resources that they do. Maybe you say, I don't have the kind of talent that others do. Maybe you say, you know, I can't play any instrument. I can't sing. I don't have any of that time. I'm not a good speaker. I feel like I have nothing to offer the Lord. Maybe as churches sometimes we feel that way as well. We feel like, you know, I just feel like I have nothing. I'm limited in my resources. You know, and even some would say this place is limited in potential. Even if I could just gather enough, there's just not the potential there. But I need to tell you that when Jesus gets into the mix, it doesn't matter how limited in resources you are. When Jesus gets into the mix, the potential immediately skyrockets. I don't care how insignificant you feel as a person, God Almighty can elevate you and give you the resources that you need. And we understand that the disciples were not just judging the place, but they were sizing up the people. That the people seemed to be as barren and without potential as the place did. But I need you to hear me today and understand there are no barren places with Jesus. And there are certainly no barren and no empty people. Can I take you back in Scripture? Can I take you back when Israel left Egypt and they were out in the desert and there were no resources. There was nothing. There wasn't even water out there. And two different times whenever there was nothing God brought water out of a rock. When they were out in the desert wandering around and they had no food, the Lord caused manna, bread to come from heaven every day except the Sabbath day. I need you to know that every place is a fruitful valley when Jesus Christ shows up. It doesn't matter how insignificant, how lack you feel in your resources, God Almighty is able to make you fruitful when Jesus shows up. It's a desert place. Secondly, they said it, it's too late. It's too late. The disciples determined that the lateness of the hour nullified the effectiveness of of the miracle-working power of Jesus. You see, the church has used this lame excuse for too long also. It's a new day. It's a different age. Today's society just doesn't want to accept the gospel. You know, we could sit here and we could say, things have just changed so much, young people don't care anything 
about the Lord anymore like they used to. We could say, you know, every, everything has changed so much. I just don't know how it could. Listen, I need you to hear me today and understand my heart when I tell you that it does not matter how much things have changed. I still believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is applicable to every generation that has ever lived and will ever live. And in fact, I think the more they find the emptiness of what this world is offering, the more comfort they will find in the Scriptures. You see, I believe that this can be the finest hour for the church. You know, there's been good, good days for the church. There's been good decades for the church. It just depends. I've done been around this long enough and everybody's best seems to be different. You know, when you're looking at people that are alive today, for some, the 60s were the best decade of the church. For some, it's the 70s. For some, the 80s. Just this week, I saw someone, they shared a video back from the Brownsville revival back in the late 90s. For some, the 90s, where it was the best, best time for the church. You know what? I don't really care anymore about the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, or even the 210s. I don't even know how you say that now. I believe that the Scripture still holds true. When the prophet Joel prophesied, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will dream. will see visions upon my servants and handmaidens. I will pour out my spirit. I'm telling you, I believe in 2021, in these last days before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can see the very best days that the church has ever seen. What better time could there be that when the church begins to thrive? I just need to let you in on something. You go back and you study church history. It was at the, at the beginning of the church when the Caesars began to persecute the church and began to crucify the apostles and behead the apostles and burn the apostles alive. It was at that church time that the church began to grow and thrive like never before. And folks, I know we as good old American folks don't like to think about whenever our own government starts getting a little bit uncomfortable with the church, but I need you to know that it's always been in times of persecution. It's always been in times when the heat has been turned on that the church then really begins to grow. Amen. You don't know why? Because then we really start praying, don't we? That's another sermon for another day. What other excuse do they use? Well, thirdly, they said, let the village feed them. Send them on. Send them on to the, the village. Verse 15, this is where I'm getting this. He said, it was evening, his disciples said, it's a desert place. The time is now past. Send them away that they can go in the villages and buy themselves something. The disciples said, hey, let them go and find food somewhere else. We just can't help them here. You see, the village has never been and never will be the answer to the hunger of men's hearts. 
The Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16, all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. There is within every human being a God-sized void that only God can fill. And people are constantly trying to fill it with other stuff. Tonight, when we leave here, we're going to grab some lunch and we're going to hit the road and we're going down to McGee. We're going down with Jeremy and Jennifer Smith. They have two recovery centers, a men and a women's recovery center. And every Sunday night, they have service together at the old McGee Church of God. And there is going to be there a group tonight that have tried to fill that void with drugs, alcohol, sex, and it just don't do it. It just doesn't fill it. And I believe it's partly the church's fault because many of us have said, let's just let the village take care of them. Let's just let, let's let the world handle that. We're just not equipped for that. Folks, I just got to tell you, the world, the village is not the answer that people need. Jesus Christ is still the answer for this broken and dying world today. He is the answer. I know we may feel like that we don't have everything all together. I know we may feel like that we just don't have, but I'm telling you, if we will let Jesus Christ in this place with us, we don't have to send anybody back out to the world. I believe that we have all the hope. We have all the answer. I still believe God is a God that can deliver. I still believe God is a God that can heal. Y'all are waking up a little bit. That's all right. Jesus is the only answer. And we as a church have the responsibility to present him as that living bread that he is. Fourthly, we find that little is much when God is in it. Used to be an old song. Say little as much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown. You can win it if you go in Jesus' name. When you begin to read this story and some of the other gospels, you find more details. And you find the disciples here, as we read in the book of Matthew, we find that they said, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. You begin to read in the other Gospels, you find where those five loaves and those two fishes came from. They came from a little boy. They came from a little boy who brought his lunch that day. And as they begin to look around and look for what do we have here? What can we gather up here? Up comes this little boy with his lunch. Now we all know that boy didn't pack his lunch. His mama packed it for him. But here comes this boy with his lunch offering it to Jesus. Remember we said conservatively we we're going to say 10,000 people were there hungry. And this little boy brings his little lunch, five loaves, two fishes, gives it 
to Jesus. What faith that was. What faith that was for that young man to say, hey, I'm going to give you whatever I got. I'm going to give it to Jesus. Now let's stop for just a minute. I am pretty sure that he was probably not the only person who had any food there. If I was to take a and in fact, I will. Is there anybody, any of you ladies in this house right now, that in your purse, you got at least a little snack of some sort? Come on, you got, yes, yes, pack of nabs. I, I told the first, sir, you can't say that up, up north. If I said that, they're like, what in the world's nabs? It's crackers, cheese, peanut butter, whatever, pack of nabs. But I give, we know good and well that there was somebody else that had to have had some sort of food with them. But only one showed up and said, Jesus, take what I got. I can't say, I don't know that I'd have had that kind of faith like that boy. I mean, really. I'd have probably been like, my mama packed me this. Their mama should have packed them a lunch. I'm eating this. <laughs> but that young man took what he had and gave it to Jesus. Now let's think about this in the natural. 10,000 people, five little loaves, two little fishes. How silly that seemed in the natural, didn't it? For that little boy to bring this little old bitty lunch and say, here you go, Jesus. I know there's 10,000 people out here that's got to eat. I'm going to give this to you. But isn't that what faith is? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is stepping out when you can't believe it, when it seems impossible. Listen, I know there's some folks here, you've faced some impossible things, some things that seem like a sack lunch. I don't know exactly what, let's just let's put it in Humphrey Coliseum, it's about 10,000, something like that. A sack lunch, and you got to walk up in the hump and say, we're going to feed everybody with my sack lunch. Crazy that sound. Well, that's what this walk of faith, remember, it's a faith walk is about sometimes. To be willing to say, God, I know how crazy this sounds, but I've got this little bit that I'm going to put in your hands. But when you put what little you have into his hands, it's at that moment then that God can take what little you have and anoint it. But here's the process. It had to be given. And then once it was placed in Jesus' hands, Jesus blessed it. And then he began to break it. And that's a whole other sermon that I don't have time to preach today. But as he began to take it, bless it, and break it, what happened? It just didn't run out. He kept breaking off bread. Breaking off fish, breaking off bread, breaking off fish. Suddenly he, it says in there that he got him to sit down. So section 101 over here, they, he was breaking it. They got section 101. Everybody's thinking, oh, man, how in the world did we? It's got to run out soon. Then they get to section 102. He's breaking it off. He's breaking it off. It break, now everybody in 102's got it. Then he goes to section 103. He's breaking it off, breaking it off, breaking it off. Now everybody there is fed. Now he goes up in the balcony to 201. 
and he, he's giving them up there. Now everybody else has got food. Come on, somebody help me this morning. You see, when you take what little you have and put it in the hands of the master, he will take it, he will bless it, he will break it, and then the God I serve is not just the God of barely getting by. Because the story isn't he got, he got all the way over here to section 310 and then he handed the last piece of bread and there was no more. That's not how the story ended, was it? Everybody got plenty to eat and then when it was done, he told the disciples, go and pick up the leftovers. And there was what? Twelve basketfuls of leftovers left over after feeding 10,000 people from five loaves and two fishes. I need somebody to get this in their spirit today. That God is telling you, you may feel like a boy's sack lunch that's been called to feed 10,000 people, but if you'll put yourself in his hands and allow him to bless you and anoint you and even break you, Mm, that's I, I don't have time. Then he will multiply you then. And he will meet the needs. And not just meet the needs, he will exceed the needs. Starful Church of God, I am convinced. I know you're probably going to get tired of hearing me say that. That's all right. I'm convinced in the late 60s or 70s, whenever this parcel of property was purchased here, it was no accident. I believe that God was in the mix. I know, I've been told, even when the parsonage was built, there was nothing but woods over there. But right now you look and you look and there's people all around us. I mean, you can't stir them with a stick. I can't get out the driveway without two or three cars coming out of that apartment complex over there. I don't believe it is any accident that we have been placed right here on the top of this hill, just right here by this campus. I believe God, it's a setup that God had a long time ago. And I know at times, it seems like it's impossible how can we ever reach this generation how can we ever reach this county and the golden triangle well listen it's not that hard if we'll just get it in our head if we will take what we have and we will put it in his hands and let him bless us and break us and then he will multiply us and the needs of the village the needs of the people will be met God is calling us. I think probably every single one of us, think about it for a moment. Every single one of us, either in class or at work or somewhere tomorrow, how many of you here, you know you're going to encounter at least one lost person? Let me see your hand. One person that you know needs Jesus. We've got the answer. We've got the, it's, it's right here. It, it's, it's right here. Not in this building itself, but in this and the people that stand on this and make up this church. We have the answer. Jesus said to the disciples, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Who here is ready? 
Who here is ready when that lost person comes to you tomorrow? When they show up at work, show up in class, and they start asking. Now, I know what some people get the, get the whole idea of, you know, oh, I don't want to be a Bible thumper. I don't want to, I don't mean that you're going to take my outline and you're going to show up at work tomorrow. You're going to, let me ask you, my pastor preached, they need not depart. The first point is, now I'm not talking about that. But how many of you tomorrow, there's a great possibility that somebody shows up and they come in and they're just like, I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. My kid's strung out on drugs. Door opens. I don't know what I'm going to do. My wife and I, my husband and I, we've been fighting. I don't know if we're going to make it through this. The door swings right wide open. I don't know. I'm, I'm stressed out. I just don't know. I got bills I can't pay. I don't know what. The door swings wide open. You ain't got to beat him over the head with the Bible. He said, well, let me tell you about Jesus. You know how I've gotten through stuff in my life? It's only been by the help of God. And the door for you to witness. Folks, I, we overcomplicate this sometimes. You don't have to be looking for them to say, would you preach me the sermon that your pastor preached? No. You, you a living sermon. You're a walking, talking, breathing, living sermon. And you can tell them how God has brought you through. Take what you have. You say, well, I can't speak. I can't preach. Hey, the Lord said, don't let them depart. You give them something. You've got what you need. Take what you got. Give it to him. And it's always going to be enough. Stand with me if you will, please. It's 12.09, and I know I started talking about food way early in this sermon, too early. But here's what I want to do before we go. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I want to be used of the Lord. I want to take what I have, like that little boy, put it in his hands. Say, Lord, just take me and use me. Use me for your glory. Nobody else did, I told you. <clears throat> no mamas that had snacks in their purses. Not even the disciples had any faith. They were the ones saying, send him away. Send him to the village. It was just a little boy. He said, here, take what I got and use it. The song says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. So here's what I want to do this morning. I'm going to open these altars. And if that's your prayer, like that little boy, and say, Lord, I might not have much, might not be the best singer, might not be the best preacher, might not be the best musician. You may feel completely insignificant, but if you're willing to say, 
I got a sack lunch. And I am willing to let the Lord take me and use me. Would you just come and find a place in these altars right now? Would you just come find a place, you and the Lord, and just say, Lord, take me and use me. Take me and use me. Take my life. Take what I have. And Lord, I want you. I want you to use me. I want, to, want you to take me, bless me, break me, and multiply me. Lord, so that needs can be met. There's a world that's hurting, a world that's dying, a world that so desperately needs the Lord. Would you come? Would you come right now in the name of Jesus Christ and just find that place here in this altar and just begin to lay your life down at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, take me, take me, use me. Lord, take what I have. I know I may not have much, but I give it to you, and I believe that you can take what I have, Lord, and needs can not only be met, but they, the needs can be exceeded when I place it in your hands as they begin to sing. you can take all we have and all that we are 
And Lord God, the need can not only be met, but exceedingly met, Lord. There were 12 basketful left over. God, I believe you, God, as we face impossible situations. Lord, you're not only able to meet them, but you're able to exceed them, oh Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let your anointing flow through us, oh God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yes, oh Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, hallelujah. We're going to make room. To do whatever you want. Yes, oh Lord. To do whatever you want. Yes, oh Lord. Yes, oh Lord. just lift your hands in the air right now and just say, Lord, I just, I give myself to you. I give myself to you and I ask you to take me. I ask you to use me for your glory, God. Lord, I believe that nobody has to depart. I don't have to send anybody away. That you can use me to meet the needs that are around me, oh Lord. You can use us as a church to meet the needs that are around us, oh Lord. Bless our ministries. Father, I pray that you bless every ministry, God. That you bless our food pantry. That you bless our music ministry, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our college ministry. God, I pray that you would bless our services, our women's ministries, our men's ministries, Lord. I pray that you would take us, that you would use us, oh God, and that when we put ourselves in your hands, that it would be multiplied many times over, Lord. And we're not going to just barely scrape by. Lord God, there's going to be basketfuls left over by the time that you're done, oh Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God can use you. God will use you. Just put what you have in his hands, and he'll do it. Don't forget, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we've got all kind of things going on. Don't miss what God is doing. Keep that bulletin. A lot of stuff happening, and I believe God's going to bless us. Brother Eric's going to come. He's going to dismiss us in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you have loved us so much that you sent your son and you sent your word to us, Lord. So, Lord, this week as we go about our daily lives, give us the opportunity to reach out to those who are lost that come across our path. Give us the words, Lord, by your spirit. Have the verses come to our remembrance so that we might reach somebody for you. Watch over us and protect us. We ask again that you bless and you are with the Hawthorns and the Bowens. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.